This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey. Hey, and welcome back, everybody. Another edition here of the Auburn Undercover Podcast on the 24-7 Sports Network. My name is Nathan King. Welcome into the pregame pod where weekly we get, of course, the opposition's insight on Auburn's next opponent. The Tigers are going to Baton Rouge for game three of SEC play after their bye week. And we have a fantastic sister site over there at Go 24-7, the LSU coverage, of course, on the 24-7 Sports Network. And he's joined us a couple times on the show in the past. So we are bringing back Mr. Bryce Kuhn. You guys can follow him on Twitter at Bryce underscore Kuhn. Bryce, um, we were talking, you know, on your podcast yesterday as we're recording this here. On Wednesday, it is sad to think about the fact that, A, this is a game that is not going to be played next year, but B, I love going to Baton Rouge. It's my third time in in Tiger Stadium. I have no idea when I'm going to go back after next year. It's just a bizarre feeling for a game that, you know, for, for, I guess, almost three decades has uh, has been a yearly thing for these division opponents. Yeah, and one of the big things, Nathan, that LSU fans will tell you, I mean, there's an assortment of rivalries, but this game, and we talked about it yesterday, it's always got this weird and wacky stuff. So it's a game that I think is really going to be missed. And, you know, you mentioned you love coming to Baton Rouge. Well, you know, being down here in Baton Rouge, I'm going to miss coming to Auburn because that's 20 minutes away from family, me being from Columbus, Georgia, right there, kind of in that Auburn Tiger fan base. So, yeah, I mean, this is, I'm I'm going to cherish the game that we have on Saturday night and like we kind of alluded to, you know, last week or, or yesterday on our podcast, you know, look, a Saturday night in Death Valley, if we've got to go out with a bang, why not go out with, you know, one of the better atmospheres in college football? Yeah. And like you mentioned, it's always a weird game. Um, traditionally, it's always, regardless of really how these two teams have done, it's always a close game. Brian Kelly said today, um, you know, the more he's been looking at the matchup, you know, let's use an 11 and a half point favorite that he thinks this is going to be a close game. He sort of made the prediction today. He said, yeah, I think Auburn will be in it in the fourth quarter. He just went out and said it, and and history would tell him he's correct. Seven of the last eight matchups between these teams have been decided by five points or fewer. The only exception there is 2020, where, I mean, Auburn didn't have a great team. That's when they they fired Gus Malzahn, but LSU went to Jordan-Hare and just got absolutely hammered um, in that game, obviously the year after they won the national title. But really, traditionally, it hasn't mattered what trajectory either team is on in this matchup. Um, You can look no further than the 2019 game when, of course, that is arguably the greatest offense in the history of our sport. They had their worst game against Auburn. I remember Kevin Steele had a fantastic game plan. Um, They had like two down linemen. They only put Marlon Davidson and Derek Brown on the line. That was it. They they were like, we're going to drop everybody else back and kind of play it like an air raid. Um, And they almost went into Baton Rouge (laughs) and won that game. And so we'll see. This is obviously going to be a great chess match on, uh, on Saturday as well. Because talking about that 2019 team, 
Hugh Freeze said this week, look, this is the best offensive personnel I have seen in my time coaching the SEC. Now, of course, he was at Liberty when yeah. LSU was was making that run to the championship in 2019. But he's probably not wrong. You've got a couple other contenders there, but it starts with Jaden Daniels and his receiving talent and what he has done in the passing game. Just sort of walk us through, you know, I think everybody watched that Florida State game and it was clunky on both ends. You know, Florida State came out and, and played a fantastic game and really sort of sent a message there in week one. What has Jaden Daniels done, though, this season? Not only progressing in these few games, but look, when Auburn saw him last year, he wasn't very good at all. He's like 8 of 20 when they played yeah. in uh, in Jordan-Hare. What has he done uh, in terms of his progression in, in two years as LSU's quarterback getting to where now, I agree with you, you said it the other day on your podcast, he may be the best quarterback in the country right now. Yeah, I mean, he's certainly playing like it, like it. And there's a, I think there's a case for, you know, obviously it depends on team success, but you could make a case this kid needs to be in New York uh, with the way that he's played. So, you know, I think the biggest thing when it comes to Jade Daniels is you have a guy that, like you mentioned last year in this game, I, I believe he had like 80 or 90 passing yards in this game. I mean, it was, it was an effort that, you know, they really had to run the ball. John Emery, Daniels had to run the ball, that kind of thing for them to get back in that football game. It's been a progression thing. It's been a, I think, though, unlocking the mental side of saying, you know what, I got a good deep ball. I can throw the, you know, the ball around the yard a little bit. And now you've really got a group of receivers that is really starting to make the mark. Not that they didn't have it, because look, Malik Neighbors was still on the roster. Um, but I think, you know, LSU fans are, <laughs> we can all say that, that you know, Kayshawn Booty was a guy that really didn't live up to what he needed to in his final season down here at Baton Rouge. And I mean, you know, the best of luck to him in New England and everything he has going on. But that being said, Brian Thomas Jr., his emergence has helped Jaden you know, immensely. Mason Taylor, the tight end who everyone remembers the catch against Alabama to win it in overtime. But, you know, that's a really, really dynamic player that should be you know, 100% for the first time since the Florida State game, you know, coming into this football game. That's going to be a big weapon. But I think overall, it's really mentally because Daniels, you know, I remember when he was at Arizona State and the game where they, he throws the deep ball, and Nathan, I don't know if you remember watching this, against Oregon to upset Oregon and knock them out of the playoff. I believe that was his true freshman year, which was 2019, all, you know, we kind of cyclical effect here that we're talking about with this 2019 offense. But Daniels has always possessed that arm talent. He's always possessed the physical gifts to be an elite quarterback in college football. I think, you know, the mental side, being able to progress through his reads. Last year, you know, he really honed in on neighbors as the season continued, and especially after this Auburn game last season. And you could see it was neighbors and put my eyes down and go. That that was kind of what Daniels did. And look, it was hard to fault him. I mean, LSU played for an SEC championship. They went, they won double-digit games in year one under Brian Kelly. It's hard to fault him. The difference this season, though, is progressing through the reads, you know, working from left to right. He's even said that and trusting, you know, the instincts of saying, look, I've got the God-given talent. Now let's go prove that on the field. And so that's been one big thing. And then I'll add this. You and I were texting about you know what teams have been able to do to kind of slow him down a little bit, and I mentioned to you said, "Hey, go watch the first half against Arkansas." The biggest difference for Daniels was last year when he struggled; it lingered. This year, when he has struggled outside of the Florida State game, he's turned it around. The Arkansas game might be the biggest example of that. They score on the final drive, and then they don't; uh, they, they can't keep them you know off the board. Arkansas's defense can't until the game's over. Like the clock literally had to stop for LSU to stop scoring. So 
you know, the ability to flip the switch, what I think also goes into the mental component. So I really attribute to the, the you know, maturity, uh, the mental fortitude of what Daniels has used and really be able to that bounce back mentality. That being said, about that Arkansas game, Florida State, of course, did a good job. We'll, we'll kind of stick here and, and continue talking about Daniels. What have teams done this season, whether it's, you know, we talked about it on, on your podcast, it's tough to just ask you to go out and have Florida State's talent. Like nobody's going to yeah. really have that on defense. No one's going to have, not many teams are going to have their their kind of defensive front. But there have been spots in other games, you know, really not an entire game, but quarters, maybe a couple drives at a time. What have teams done to get him out of a rhythm? What have they done to these receivers? Because Auburn, as we talked about on your show, they've got pieces and they've actually, you know, they've executed pretty well here early in the season under Ron Roberts. So it feels like maybe they would have some tools to, to possibly replicate that and try to slow him down. Yeah, I mean, look, we just got done recording our preview podcast for the game. And I did mention, look, Auburn has spots on their roster where you say that could be a mismatch in Auburn's favor. You know, they, they could they could take advantage of this. You know, I really go back to that first half against Arkansas, and I shot you that text yesterday, and then I went back and watched it. You know, the ability to disrupt him off of his timing, going to the mental side of thing, Daniels is very much – he very much relies on the mental clock. You watch him progress through his reads. You know, if he's got neighbors on his left side and he ends with Thomas on his right, one thing that Arkansas was able to do is never let him get to the right side. So if that first read wasn't open, depending on what type of coverage, I mean, a lot of times they would, Arkansas, for example, would try to bracket Malik neighbors wherever he was on that side of the field and then say, okay, we're going to load up on front and we're not even going to let him get to his second reads because that's what we saw last year that he was accustomed to doing. And look, you know as well as I do, when you have quarterback problems or offensive line problems, a lot of times the mental clock really gets messed up for a quarterback. And so Arkansas was able to do that. And even when they weren't running that specific type of scheme or that specific type of play, it caused Daniels to kind of revert back to those old habits. So, you know, I think for this game, if Auburn can find a way, whether it's a guy like, you know, DJ James, who we talked about, or any of these players that Auburn has a veteran secondary, and, you know, I mentioned on our show, I love Kai and Lee. Like, I, I absolutely love what that kid's made of. If they can find a way to try to take away one of these receivers and generate enough pass rush up front to disrupt them, you could see Daniels revert back to the bad habits. That's one thing that LSU fans on our board have have pointed out. Like that's that's what Arkansas was able to do. And I'll point it out. Like Arkansas is on a slide right now, but they've got a good defensive front. And they showed that coming into Baton Rouge, quieting this group, you know, this, the crowd and this group very quickly. You guys got like Marcus Harris. We talked about you know some other other names as well up front. I mean, I do think that there is a way for Auburn to do this. It's just a matter of executing. It's way easier said than done because if you allow, and this is what happened in that second half, that bracket coverage, uh, neighbors started to break it. The halftime adjustments by this offensive staff was able to utilize some different things. After that, man, it, it was really, really hard. And I'll add into this, the emergence of Logan Diggs, which LSU really didn't have last year in this game. They didn't have Diggs on the roster, but not really a solid running game. I mean, I remember Emory had a nice night at, you know, in Jordan-Hare, but that that just takes a load off of Daniels and, and the ability to run the football. So I would say you really got to go back and watch that Arkansas game, what they're able to do, because we mentioned there's no Jared Verse on this Auburn roster. There's no Braden Fisk up front. You're not you don't have Florida State's dudes. That's just and, and no one else really does. So Arkansas to me had a nice half against Daniels. It's just can you sustain that 
And offensively, which I'm sure we'll talk about, can you take advantage when LSU does get into that lull? Yeah, you're talking about the defensive side of the ball there for LSU. That's such a big matchup in this game as well because it feels like an either-or situation because LSU's had a lot of problems um, defensively. They've allowed a lot of teams to have some of their better games of the season. This is an Auburn offense that is coming out of a bye week, is feeling like they haven't been great early in the year. I mean, it, you know, there's been a lot of problems in the passing game. You can't put it all on the quarterback, but Peyton Thorne has still yet to throw for 100 yards against a Power 5 team. They don't have a bunch of receiving yards on the season. Their offensive line has been shaky at times. This is an Auburn team, though, that feels like they did some good things against Georgia and can kind of build on that. How how optimistic are you in this game from the LSU perspective that they can have a good game plan to slow down Auburn and kind of, you know, push away some of their issues that they've had? Because to their credit, you look at when they played Mississippi State. I know that's a that's an offense that's in flux and that that mm-hmm. lot of issues there, but they had a really good game. And then against Missouri, if they don't tweak some things on defense, you, know, you wrote a story about it today about them changing some alignment along their defensive front. If they don't do that against Missouri and get some stops when they needed to, they don't go in there and win that game. And so it's an LSU defense that has a lot of talent, um, but just you know, from the outside looking in, hasn't been very consistent this year. Yeah, they haven't been very consistent, and that's exactly where I was going to go. Wrote the piece today that encouraged, you know, if you're an Auburn fan wanting to know what this LSU defense looks like, go and check that over at Go 24-7. They have really simplified things, Nathan. I mean – Two weeks ago in the game against Ole Miss, Brian Kelly said in his Monday availability, we are going absolutely basic. Like he didn't hide it. Lane Kiffin knew it from the press conference. There was nothing, you know, that you had to read in between the lines. And they still couldn't, you know, stop Ole Miss. So going into Missouri week, that was a concern of mine. If that's as if if we just saw as basic as it gets, I'm really worried. Like, I don't know if you can stop anybody because that 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 didn't do well. They missed 30 tackles per PFF for 285 yards after contact against Ole Miss. I mean, that's that's not a winning formula for anybody. So going into the Missouri game, it was a lot of the same thing, but the biggest transition has been the true four-man front. And so we had the chance to talk with Sage Ryan and Jacoby and Guillory last night at player availability. Defensive lineman is a Guillory. Sage Ryan, one of the cornerbacks that we'll talk about. And Ryan mentioned, and Guillory both did, that it's not like it's entirely different with that Jack position, that Jack linebacker. He's just rushing the quarterback more often. So traditionally, they did t- technically have a four down front, but what they were doing is the Jack would have so many different assignments that they didn't dedicate him purely to getting after the quarterback. Now, that second half against Missouri, you saw, I think they only allowed two third downs the entire second half. Um, you know, Missouri really struggled. They didn't convert one third down in, in the fourth quarter. So, Maybe they found something going so basic here that says, look, we're just going to let our athletes play ball. Um, I think it says a lot of different things. I think it says, you know, off the field wise recruiting, you got to get some better football players on the defensive side of the football that can do some more, maybe potentially complex things. But as for the roster construction right now, I mean, Nathan, it's no secret that the secondary had four guys with any playing experience travel to Missouri. That, that was something that was a major concern, and it's a major concern in this game for me you know, as well. Even though Thorne is only completing, what, it's around 50% of his passes in SEC play. Uh, so it's not a dynamic Auburn attack, but the lack of ability to tackle consistently and letting up big plays, I mean, I joked about this with you earlier, third and 11 for this defense oftentimes might as well be third and two. 
it's just it's like it's too much ground to cover. You know, they'd much rather just load the box on third two and try to stop you. So, you know, I think Auburn can have some success, especially if they get if they establish the run early. Um, and LSU's not tackling well. I mean, that's something that I think could open up some things for Peyton Thorne. And then to go off what you mentioned about Mississippi State, Brian Kelly was very candid about this post game in Starkville. He said, "Look, we feel like as a roster, as a group up front." were as talented as anybody in the country. And I would echo that sentiment. When you look at the you know, 24-7 composite rankings of the kids that came in, it's there. The back end, not so much, but the front is. Against non-mobile quarterbacks, we've seen they've been very, very good. I mean, Will Rogers is not a guy that moves around a ton, but what they're able to do, what they're unable to do against mobile quarterbacks has been the problem. A guy like Jordan Travis that, you know, hey, you have to respect the front run. Even a kid that was a transfer down to Grambling State, he gave them, you know, absolute hell on defense for about a for about a half. So I think one of the storylines in asking some of the players is how do you combat Thorne and Ashford in this? Because, and I said this yesterday, Thorne's willingness to run the football adds a different dynamic for this Auburn offense that I think they really needed to know about themselves before they even got into this game. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Baseball has begun, which means you need to listen to Fantasy Baseball Today in 5, part of the CBS Sports Podcast Network. Join Scott White, Chris Towers, and me, Frank Samphill, every Monday through Saturday as we deliver all of your fantasy baseball needs in just five minutes. We'll break down the biggest performers, news, and prospects who could make an impact this season. Make sure to download and follow on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, the Odyssey app, and everywhere else podcasts are found. Yeah, it absolutely does. You could kind of see that confidence growing with him against Georgia. He had a really big run early in the game. And we all kind of said up in the press box, like, okay, this is this is definitely what he needed. Mm-hmm. Because I wanted to kind of quickly jump to another question I had about the defensive line. And it's something I think is a big key in this game. I'm just wondering how much, because we saw them go on the road to Texas A&M. Yeah. And their offense was thrown. And your comment about non-mobile quarterbacks, I think, is going to scare Auburn fans a little bit. Because Thorne is mobile, but his ability, his pocket presence and his ability to escape from that pressure not great against Texas and it wasn't great against Georgia either more of his stuff was on designed runs how much do you think this LSU defensive line is capable of maybe managing that part of the game and and creating a lot of issues up front because I just I have this sort of like pessimistic view of of what could happen for Auburn's offense it's they go into a road spot we've just we've just seen this over the years when their offensive line hasn't been great they go into a road spot they're a little they're a little shaky they don't have a super talented quarterback 
and the game just gets blown up from there. Like mm-hmm. the, the offensive line knows they can't really block anybody. The quarterback knows they don't, he doesn't have a ton of time and you just can't really get a consistent offense going is Ellis. It sounds like they have the talent to do it. How capable do you think LSU is of, of maybe accomplishing that or coming close to accomplishing that? Yeah, once again, Nathan, I go back to the second half against Missouri where we saw a guy like Mason Smith start to really – he's physically you know, healed from the ACL injury a year ago that he suffered against Florida State in the opener down in New Orleans. But mentally, you're starting to see, look, a 300-pound-plus guy is always going to be worried about getting rolled up on, and especially when you're coming off an ACL injury. He was a big part of that. He had a couple tackles for loss in the sack in that game and, and a couple quarterback pressures. His emergence kind of in this three technique spot, they've had him playing a couple of, you know, a couple sequences, I guess you could say, against Missouri, along with a veteran like Makai Wingo, who's just a workhorse down there in the trenches. And look, we can't forget about Harold Perkins. I mean, the guy's playing everything from nickel corner. I don't know if you saw that in Brian Kelly's. He's playing like nickel corner now to playing, you know, he's going to come up front. A young player like Whit Weeks, who just plays with his hair on fire, playing in the inside. I mean, when you look at this front seven, the talent is there. Before Missouri, I was going to be concerned. After Missouri, it has, I don't want to go as far as saying I think they can dominate, but I do see a path, like you said, where knowing Auburn, knowing some of the struggles they could have up front, I do think that this is a matchup that favors LSU because it's a game one, like we said, you get back in front of the home crowd. This play, this team has played two home games in the first seven weeks of the season. You know, they're going to play the next five out of their next six inside Tiger Stadium. That has been something they're going to feed off the crowd. We know defensively more than offensively, you're able to do that. Auburn fans know that more than anyone, you know, with the, with the atmosphere they have over there at Jordan-Hare. So I do think this is a matchup that favors LSU. It's just going to be about execution because they have the talent, but at times this talent has kind of disappeared when it's needed the most. Ole Miss being one of those teams that I think is a little more similar to what Auburn can do maybe than a Missouri uh, you know, I think Jackson Dart's the better quarterback, obviously. But kind of when you look at the schematically, some of the things that Hugh Freeze could dial up, and it's going to be interesting. I mean, Auburn's offensive line has a tough task, but Mason Smith, Makai Wingo, Guillory, a guy like Jordan Jefferson, transferred from West Virginia, these guys have really kind of taken a step up in the violence that they play with up front. And I think that has led them to be more effective against a team like Missouri that, you know, up until that point in the season had looked pretty good offensive line wise and Brady Cook had been pretty comfortable. Yeah, you mentioned, you know, needing to just go out and execute Auburn's defense on the other end. Again, it just feels like, you know, this isn't I don't know if this is as monumental a task as Georgia. I think Georgia's definitely a better team than LSU. Maybe not definitely. I think they're probably a better team than LSU. But this spot is on the road. Can the bye week maybe offset some of that? Can you execute a little better? There's just so many factors that go into this game that make me think that this number of a double digit spread is a little bit is a little bit high. Um, I just maybe would personally think that this is going to be another kind of close game down the stretch where, you know, again, you mentioned it along the defensive line there. If this is a game that just gets blown up from the beginning, I would struggle to see Auburn finding consistent offense, even though they have had the ability to run the ball, but at the same time, if they kind of go with the Ole Miss approach, if they go fast, if Thorne gets a couple completions early in the game to get some confidence, if they get better wide receiver play and start bringing up that tempo, now, like you said, you kind of put that LSU defense on its back heels, you make them revert to some things, and all of a sudden that talent can't win as often as maybe it could in just a one-on-one setting. Um, Before we get you out of here, Bryce, maybe things that we've talked about so far, maybe things we haven't talked about, 
what are one or two factors in this game that you're looking at and saying, okay, if LSU accomplishes this and back in front of its home crowd, they probably are going to be able to get away with a win here. Or if they don't accomplish these things, Auburn's going to have a chance to, like Brian Kelly theorized, make it a four-quarter game and, and have a chance to go in there and get a win. Yeah, I've got kind of two positions that I think are going to be really, really key in this. One, and I mentioned a name earlier, Whit Weeks, the true freshman linebacker out of Watkinsville, Georgia. The LSU linebackers, because we talk about the front and everyone thinks, oh, yeah, you know, your front four, your Mason Smith, your Makai Wingos, all the names that we've mentioned. But the linebacker position that has been something at LSU this season that we thought coming in was going to be a veteran and a veteran matchup, a Harold Penn or a Greg Penn. Uh, well, actually, a Harold Perkins because they had him inside a linebacker. And a guy like Omar Spates transferred from Oregon State that was all Pac-12. And, you know, six weeks in, we now have Greg Penn, a guy who is – we call him an LSU lifer just because he's been here, you know, for more than one year at this point with how crazy the transfer portal is. And Whit Weeks, who, who's the true freshman, those guys got to step up. Um, you go back to that Ole Miss game, it was a game where Quinshawn Judkins was able to really break out. The running game ran wild against this against this front. And there was a lot of over-pursuit from the linebackers. Even when the defensive line would win their one-on-ones, too often we saw some of these linebackers really just kind of getting swept in, into the mix. And so then you leave one-on-one chances, you know, by that time your running back is running six, seven, eight yards untouched. That's something that I think has to play in the part here because watch enough Auburn football, no, Jarquez Hunter's a physical guy. I mean, he's not going to shy away from contact. I love the play of Brian Batie, you know, and the compliment that he brings with Hunter. All those things being said, I think that the linebacker play for LSU has to be a key. If if they are filling gaps correctly, and like Brian Kelly has mentioned so many times, not trying to do everyone else's job, but do theirs, they can have success and they could win this football game. Uh, and another one you that you mentioned, it's going to be Auburn's receivers. I don't I don't want to get Auburn fans hoped up too much in this sense because they'll come back after the fact and be like, you lied to us, Bryce. But what I will say is this is probably the worst group of power five cornerbacks that they'll face. So, you know, or or maybe face. I mean, I don't think that's too far fetched being able to say. So if there is a game for guys to have just a game to show, you know, and you and I mentioned this on yesterday's podcast on our channel just to have a game where you can show some life out of a couple of guys at the receiver position, this is going to be it. So I think that's going to be something that LSU cornerbacks against this Auburn receivers, both haven't really been outstanding. So something's got to give, like something has to give here on Saturday night. So I think that's going to be another one that's really going to determine kind of the outcome of this ball game. Yeah. And so much of this RPO system for Auburn relies on guys making plays in space and we're not yeah. or excuse me making plays in coverage and we're not just talking about going and getting a jump ball it's such a quick read that most of the time the db is kind of still draping on you and that's mm-hmm. why jay fair has emerged as their best receivers because he ha- he's had such consistent hands and so if the if the cornerback play isn't as good maybe a guy like shane hooks who's a big jackson state transfer but has really struggled to kind of high point the ball and make his physicality felt camden brown is a louisiana guy um, who's a really big physical player? Nick Mardner is six foot six. Maybe, like you said, if this is a weaker group of corners, maybe these guys on the outside can actually go up and get the ball. Whereas against Georgia, Hugh Free said there were about five or six throws by Thorne that not drops, but should have been caught because they were good throws. And the receiver just has to, the receiver has to be a playmaker. Receiver yeah. has to box out the yeah. DB and make a playmaker. And so if he replicates that, if he has those same kinds of throws. Maybe they have a better chance because it's you know Georgia's secondary at this point is definitely better um, mm-hmm. than LSU's. We'll be posting this on Friday morning 
Bryce. So I don't know, you know, the predictions will probably be out from y'all side um, by then. But what's your what's your prediction for this for this game? If you have a score prediction at this point, and uh, I guess just how do you see this one playing out on Saturday? Well, Nathan, I'll warn the Auburn fans watching. If you try to check the score predictions that I choose, uh, it's one of those things where I change my score prediction on every single show I do. So it's never consistent. You know, when we post ours on Friday, I guess that's like my final one. But uh, this one's recording on Wednesday. If the spread stays at 11 and a half, um, I'll say this. I'm a little bit biased, and and I'll in the sense of I've watched a lot of Auburn football, like I mentioned, grew up in the Columbus, Georgia area, you know, went to a lot of games as a kid. I know what this Auburn team can be. I, I know they're a team that they can play well above themselves at times like they did in the Georgia game, well above the talent level. This game is just way too wacky for me to feel comfortable taking that 11 points for LSU. And uh, so my, my final score prediction, and I think this is one that I'll end up sticking with. I had LSU winning this one 31 to 23, but I do think it's a game where, you know, this is going to be a game midway through the third quarter into the fourth quarter. Maybe LSU goes up 31, you know, 16, 31, 17 in the fourth quarter and Auburn gets a late touchdown to make it look closer. But I, I do think that this is a game where I don't expect either. I don't expect a blowout on either side. And just because of that, Nathan, watch it happen. That's how weird this game has been in years past. Uh, but I do kind of think that's where this sits. I think Auburn is a talented team. They've got good pieces and, just knowing what the Auburn brand is, knowing what it is, I don't think they're going to come in and fall flat in front of a crowd that, look, I might get some heat if LSU fans watch this. And I'm, I guess I'm just trying to interview for a job, Nathan, at this point. Jordan Hare is, to me, so far, every bit is crazy at, at times. In some games I've been to in there. And so I think that they're used to playing in raucous environments. It's going to be a fun one. But I do have LSU winning in a close one. But I know Auburn fans don't want to see another moral victory, but I think there might be some things you can take out of this game and say, look, we're building. And we have to remember the 30,000-foot view of this, and and that's really, I think, where Auburn is as a program here in 2023. Yeah, it was interesting. It's fun to talk to. the. They've got so many transfers on this team. And talked to a, a few guys yesterday who came from a group of five schools. Uh, you got a, a linebacker from North Texas, so he's got a bunch of family that's going to come in town. He was like, I've – he was like, this – Easily is going to be, you know, the the biggest environment I've played in terms of a night game. Yeah. You know, Brian Batie comes from USF. He played a game at Florida, but it, you know, it just didn't feel the same as a night game in Baton Rouge. And so those guys are, you know, saying, "Hey, this is the reason you come to Auburn is because you watch these games as a kid growing up, um, and then you want to go, <laughs> you want to have an opportunity to play in them." And so, you know, but the the thread, the common thread, like you mentioned, all of those guys said. Yeah, you know, we've heard how great it's going to be. Like, we're really excited, but they all said it's going to be a high bar to clear with what they had against Georgia the last yeah. week. And so, they, you know, they they already have experienced a good SEC environment there. And so we were kind of telling them, hey, wait till next week when you get Ole Miss at, at night. That kind of oh my kind, gosh. Of, kind of cranks up the crazy a little bit. Just uh, <laughs> just wait for that one. So um, I know everybody, everybody I've talked to about this game, um, Hugh Freeze included, has been talking about how excited he is for, for this one to kick off. It's always great between Auburn and LSU, and you never know what's going to happen. You mentioned that, you know, that you know, we talk about how close it's going to be, and they're going to somebody's going to go blow somebody out. I just looked it up. That game it was 48 to 11 in 2020, just an absolute shellacking. TJ Finley, I think, had like yeah. four turnovers in that game. Auburn was a one point favorite. I mean, that line was almost a pick, and they go in there and they win by 37. So, Man, don't bet on this game. Here's here's a warning. Just don't do it. Just enjoy the game one time with your family because this is, like you said, it's, it's going to be back and forth and be crazy, I think. Well, I think that's the only – it's funny, because I mentioned seven of the last eight have been decided by five or less. 
um, 16, 2016 is where that starts. And that was my freshman mm-hmm. year at Auburn. So like every Auburn LSU game I've been a part of, except for that one that was a total wash, has been wild. Like has, yeah. has had some degree of insanity to it. Um, even last year when it was like you're down, LSU's down 17 to nothing. And then it's like, oh, yeah, Brian Harson's the coach. So they're going to go blow this in the uh, in the second half. And so you know, if, if history serves, they're going to have something in store for us on Saturday. Bryce, thanks so much for joining us today. You guys can follow him on Twitter at Bryce underscore Kuhn. Go 24-7 is, uh, is our LSU site. They do all kinds of great stuff. Um, I've really enjoyed crossing over with them this week as we do every week with our uh, with our 24-7 sites. And so looking forward to the coverage they have on Saturday. As well, if you guys enjoyed the show, go leave us a five-star review. It's the number one thing that helps us out. The bumper music is by Beats by Mordecai. You guys can follow him on Twitter, SoundCloud, and Instagram until the next episode. We'll catch you guys later. Everybody enjoy the game. If you're heading to Louisiana, be safe. We'll see you guys there, and uh, we'll talk to you all soon. It's the UEFA Champions League on Paramount Plus. Europe's top club soccer tournament. Champions versus champions. The best teams facing off in the knockout rounds. Magnificent! And it all takes place. While you're filling out financial reports at work. In the middle of your day, in the middle of your week. So use that second screen. Call in sick. Do whatever you gotta do to tune in Tuesdays and Wednesdays. Nobody watches the UEFA Champions League like us. Stream every match live exclusively on Paramount Plus. 